Hey friend, you're listening to the Battle Ain't Over podcast, a place where the saints gather to stand on truth all while waiting for Jesus. We know that this battle ain't over until the Lord decides. I'm your host, Mary, and I'm glad that you are here today. So let's get into it. Well, hello, friends. I am finally back at it today. I have missed you guys and missed the podcast. You know, when I started this just a few short months ago, I was doing really well. I was posting every week, but, you know, life is busy. And this past month has been busy, but a really good month. And um, I'm just not going to put that pressure on myself anymore, y'all. So whenever a podcast drops, that's when it's going to drop. Hopefully, I do hope to at least do two a month. Um, keep everything kind of rolling smoothly. But if not, we'll just trust the Lord with it. But anyways, I'm happy to be back today. I am kind of currently feeling under the weather. I have, I guess, a cold um, kind of popped up Friday and um, been dealing with that this weekend. But all is well. I'm just blowing my nose a lot. Um, There's something I want to talk about today. So last episode was on spiritual warfare, and it was a part one. I am skipping part two this time. I'm going to come back to it. Um, But there's just something I could not shake from the Holy Spirit. And um, it's about the gospel. So that's what we're talking about today, you guys. We are talking about the gospel And I'm titling this episode, Uncomplicating the Gospel, because we're going to talk just briefly today about ways that the gospel is getting complicated, especially in these last days. We see false doctrine, teachers, deception everywhere. We are told it will be this way, Um, but it just breaks my heart that we have so quickly moved from the pure, simple gospel of grace. And so that's what I want to just remind our minds and hearts of today um, and just challenge you and myself to always remain in that truth. So stay with me. Okay, so the first thing I want to mention is this week I did a poll on Instagram asking, what must someone do to be saved? I had about 79 responses, 75 out of the 79 said that they need to just trust in Jesus alone, but four out of the 79 said, I must do something plus trust Jesus to save me. Now, I know that's not a huge poll, and I know that only four out of 79 polled said they must do something plus trust Jesus, but in my opinion, four is one too many. And, you know, I've just encountered enough people to know many are following false gospels. They have, you know, maybe not fully understood just the truth of the simple gospel. And I got to thinking about some ways that the gospel has gotten complicated. And let me just say this, you guys, you know, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. And we'll see as we read some scripture today that this was going on right in the early church. And Paul is having to call out, you know, these errors in the church because they've crept right in. And so this is nothing new, but we're seeing it more and more these days as the days just grow you know, darker and worse as the end times predicts. So I just got to thinking of some different ways. So I'm going to just kind of 
actually, let's just start here. Um, some of the major counterfeit false gospels that you've probably heard of, um, these kind of have a name to them. So let me talk about those first, and then I want to share a couple, you know, just things I've gotten in comments or feedback about what people try to add to the gospel. So some of those counterfeit gospels, you know, the first one, I guess this is more like a universalist mindset. It's where, you know, we're just, we're all good people. And because God is loving, everyone's just going to make it to heaven. Um, But remember, I'm going to pull up this verse. We're going to read a lot of verses this um, episode. So bear with me as I look for it. This is in Psalm 14. Verse 3, let me find it real quick. Psalm 14 verse 3 says, They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So right there, we kind of shut that one down, right? Everyone is not good. We're all sinners. Um, The second big one we see a lot of is prosperity gospel. You know, basically... Um, proponents of that would say Jesus guarantees our happiness, our health, our wealth, no trouble, just abundance and all good things in this life. But that's not the case either. You guys, we are promised persecution. We are told to take up our cross, to deny ourselves. That doesn't really sound like health, wealth, and no trouble. (laughs) So prosperity gospel is a big one. Another one is called, I've heard it called two things, self-esteem gospel or the psychology gospel. Um, this is basically just to sum it up real quick, belief in yourself. Um, the way I like to put it is it puts self on the throne and kicks Jesus right off. Um, it's the lie that we are inherently good. Kind of goes back to that first one. Um, the fourth one I thought of, I can't remember the official title for this, but it's basically that Jesus is one way to heaven. But he's not the only way to heaven. So he's just one of many ways. And we definitely see that in our culture today. Um, Let's turn to John 14. Let me find it. John 14 verse 6. Um, This verse says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven, you guys, and it's through Jesus alone. Salvation is absolutely exclusive, and the world doesn't want to hear that because we want to include and affirm everything in these last days, but the gospel is simple. Jesus is the only way, so that's one. Um, Another gospel we see that's big right now is the social gospel, basically just social justice um, and all the, the stuff that comes along with that added to Jesus. And then another one I would kind of call mysticism gospel. This basically, you know, places the importance on spiritual experience or feelings. Um, And we're seeing a lot of that in signs and wonders movement uh, these days. Um, Another one, progressive gospel. That's a huge one. And the best way that I kind of, you know, sum that up if I'm talking about it is just that you know, things, they'll say that things have changed. Culture has changed. So Jesus, the Bible, the gospel, everything else is to progress and change as well. Um, and number eight, workspace gospel. This is a big one that I see so much when I'm talking to other um, brothers and sisters, works-based gospel. Um, 
we're going to get into that definitely as we talk about what the true gospel is today. And it should be pretty clear, I hope, at the end of this podcast that it has nothing to do with works, you guys. Um, so let me, let me um, kind of now just tell you a few things that I thought of as I was making this list about, okay, those are kind of the big name false gospels. Um, and I probably did not get them all, so don't hold me to that. I try to just hit on the big ones, but here's some other things we tend to hear and see out there. Um, the first one is that you can lose your salvation, or you never had it to begin with if you didn't show good works. Um, so a lot of that is just the the two sides of the coin. There's Arminianism that believes you can completely lose your salvation. And then there's more reformed Calvinist five point camp over here on the other side that says, um, if you don't persevere in good works and you were never really born again. So in turn, that means you have no salvation. And both of those camps just lead people to doubt. They have no assurance of eternal salvation. I actually talked about that a lot today on Dwell Truth in stories, just um, sharing about the differences of that. And again, just contending for the true gospel on there. Um, So that's a big one on my heart today. Um, Another one we see a lot of is you must be baptized. (laughs) Oh my goodness. How many times have you heard you must be baptized to be saved? The most simple example in the Bible, y'all, is the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, number one, could do no works. (laughs) He was about to be killed, right? All he did was, Lord, please remember me when you go into your kingdom. All he did was believe that Jesus was who he said he was and that Jesus had the answer to salvation. And the moment of belief is when he was promised by Jesus right there next to him on the cross that he would see them, that he would see him again in paradise. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized. So how could that possibly be true? Like we need to just take the Bible as a whole and look at every verse. And you should, we should be able to come to a conclusion that the easy verses that are, you know, just simple to believe, that's what we, we start our theology off of. And these other one-off verses that people try to twist, um, we have to reconcile them in the right way. And the answer is definitely not, you must be baptized to be saved. Okay, another one, must prove yourself by being refined in the great tribulation. (laughs) So, you know, as we often talk about eschatology, um, I'm definitely a dispensationalist, pre-trib rapture, pre-millennialist, you know, a lot of times post-tribbers, um, whether they realize it or not, they are believing in a form of works-based salvation. They are often saying, you know, I have to be refined. The, the church has to be refined, has to go through the, go through the fire, etc., and prove themselves to the Lord. Well, you guys, that is another way of thinking about works based salvation. So that's something else that's pretty relevant as we talk about eschatology all the time. Um, another one I, I hear quite a bit is I must continue to repent of everything or else I'm going to die in my sins and not make it to heaven. So sadly, these people are believing like, oh my goodness, I sinned. And if I don't repent of it before I die, then straight to hell I go. 
um, how horrible and what a burden to place on yourself that the Bible does not place on us. Um, that is simply just not true. Um, another one that's big, not speaking in tongues means you are not saved. There is nothing more that irks me (laughs) about the charismatic movement than that. There's so many problems and I've been, um, just shedding light on that this week too. Um, just from their history to the practices that they have brought into, um, the church and how that leads people astray. But this one is one that just irks me so bad. Speaking in tongues, first of all, is a spiritual gift. Um, it depends on which way you see it. Have the, um, gifts continued. If you're a continuationist, you think they're still in play today. If you're more of a cessationist, which I land in that camp, you think that they were absolutely a gift, but they were for a specific time period. They were a sign gift to, um, authenticate the message of, um, what God was doing for that time. So regardless of where you fall though, if you know anything about spiritual gifts, you know that, or you should know, that when you get saved, the moment of belief, the moment you are saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit is when you receive your specific spiritual gifts. Okay. And it's not up to you. The Holy Spirit gives out those gifts to each individual believer as he sees fit. So to say you are not saved because you don't speak in tongues is just ignorant. It's ignorant of the scriptures because not everybody can speak in tongues if you believe they're for today. I hope that makes sense. Okay, I'm moving off my rant. Okay, faith without works is dead is often something that will get thrown in your face if you are someone that is preaching just the pure, simple gospel. Um, they're taking the book of James and they're not understanding what the author is saying in that book. He is saying that because you are saved, your life should show good works. Um, This, however, is just twisted and it makes people think that works is a part of salvation. Okay. Um, Here's a big one. That you have to keep the Sabbath or keep Torah or you have to say Yeshua and you cannot say Jesus. These are things that sadly many in this time, y'all, are taking and adding to the gospel and saying that if you don't do these things, then you're not saved. I beg to differ, and we're going to get into the true gospel in just a second, but that is simply not true. Um, Another one, you must attend church to be saved. (laughs) Oh, Should we find a good local church? Should we be involved? Should we be serving? Yes. And I know that's difficult. I've had many conversations with people and they're like, I can't find a good church. And I just keep encouraging them. Keep looking, <clears throat> keep looking for a good local church. But, um, <clears throat> sorry, y'all, you're going to hear my, my voice in this one. Um, but church attendance does not save you. Okay. Coming from a Christian family does not save you, etc. Only personal faith in Jesus alone saves you. Um, Here's another one, kind of what we've talked about already, but just not, you know, not showing enough fruit or having enough faith, maybe living a lukewarm Christian lifestyle. Um, you know, if, if you don't have enough fruit, if you don't have those good works again, you're not saved. Um, 
number the the last one here. Let me see if this is the last one. Nope. Um, God has to choose you. You are either one of the elect or not. This this moves into the Calvinistic mindset, which I uh, do not agree with. Um, God gives everyone um, free will, and you have a choice to receive His gift of salvation or not. Um, God is not just you know creating little robots that say, you know, this one's going to go to hell and this one's going to go to heaven. And that, that, that's not the God we serve, you guys. Um, so that's something that people kind of get tripped up on with salvation. Either you're chosen or you're not. And that can lead, depending on the degree you might believe that, it can lead some people to just do really just not good things. Um, here's one. You must have the correct eschatology. Um, or understand all doctrine. Like you have to really understand theology to be saved. Or you, you know, you know I believe pre-trib. But let's say you're, you're a saved brother and sister and you believe post-trib. Does that mean you're not saved? Absolutely not. You are saved through belief in Jesus alone. Not the eschatology doctrine that you hold. So, um, you know, that's just a few things I threw out there. I probably, again, missed lots of things that people kind of add on to salvation. Um, but I wanted to just kind of paint the picture for you because here in just a second, I'm going to just read what the Bible says about the actual gospel. And I hope that you can just simply contrast the two and understand that it really is very simple and it is a beautiful gift of God. So stay with me. We'll go over that next. All right, so let's talk about the true gospel. First of all, the word gospel, that just simply means the good news that God saves sinners. You guys have probably heard this before, but we always like to contrast. You know, there's no good news unless there's first bad news. And the bad news is that our sin separates us from God. And the good news is that Jesus paid the way for us to be right with God. So we are going to break that down with scripture. I always start when I'm sharing just the gospel um, with 1 Corinthians 15. Let me turn there really fast. Um, this breaks down simply what the gospel is. And it says, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 15, verses 3 through 4 of 1 Corinthians. It says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And then we're going to go into Romans. I uh, don't know if you have heard of the Romans road before, but that is how I was taught um, to share my faith and evangelize and share the gospel when I was growing up. So I always go to Romans because it lays out how to have salvation. So we're first going to go to Romans 3.23. So a second ago I said we have bad news and then we have good news. So we're first going to talk about the bad news, which is right now. So Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me repeat that. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
This is everyone on planet Earth who has ever lived, existed in the past, currently in the present, and those to come in the future. All fall short of God's standard. And then in Romans 6.23, it tells us a little bit more. It says, for the wages of our sin is death. So back up to verse 23 that we just talked about in chapter 3. All have sinned, we are told. And then we build on that with chapter 6, verse 23 that says, for the wages of sin is death. So because all of us are sinners, we owe a debt to God and the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that right there is contrasting the bad news with the good news. God has made a way for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then Romans 5, 8, let's turn back there. It says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means there was nothing we could do. We were still sinners and Christ died for us. That's how deep his love is for us, you guys. Um, Romans 10, 9. Now let's get into the practical side of how does one get saved? It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let me read that one more time. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Belief is the only requirement. So all those false gospels we were just talking about that is adding to the pure gospel, they are saying it's belief plus something else. Remember, maybe it's belief plus baptism. Maybe it's belief plus uh, good works. Maybe it's belief plus have to follow the Torah. I mean, just whatever it could possibly be, y'all. But this is saying it's belief alone. Um, One more verse to drive this very simple point home that has become so complicated is one we all know and love. John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, we are then told that we can have assurance. So let me turn to these verses. John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death unto life. And 1 John 5, let's turn there real fast. Sorry, guys, I probably should have had these marked, but that's just not how we roll over here. Okay, 1 John 5, 13 says, 
These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So guys, we can have assurance in our salvation. You know, you've heard it probably said um, by a preacher before, or I have, but you know, it's a gift of everlasting life. What does everlasting mean? Does it mean, well, it's everlasting only if you do this, this, and this? No, it means it's everlasting. It's eternal. It's forever. And it's a gift of God, a free gift of God. It's nothing we could earn. And it's nothing we could ever keep on our own apart from Jesus Christ. So trust in the sacrifice of Jesus as the perfect and complete payment for your sins your sins past, your sins present, and your sins future. Jesus has saved you from them all. Believe on him alone. To drive the point home a little bit further that salvation is not by works, I want to read you two verses. The first one is Ephesians. You're probably familiar with this verse, but I want to um, make sure I have it here for you in this podcast and for anyone who listens to this at a later time because um, there's often verses that we take for granted and this is one that people will come in and say oh but we have to do something to be saved and it's really as simple as this Ephesians 2 8 through 9 for by grace are ye saved through faith And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let me read it again. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I just love how God has written his word so specifically. It's almost like he knew that people would come along and say, oh, we have to do this work to be saved. The Holy Spirit said, no, we're going to write down not of works, lest any man should boast to make it as clear as day. We just have to trust in the written word of God, y'all. And it's clear. It's not anything that we can do. All we are required to do is come to come to God on his terms and his terms for salvation are belief in Jesus alone. Okay, Titus 3 is the last one. Here, let me see. Titus 3, 5 through 7. Oh my goodness, where's Titus? It's that little book. There it is. Titus 3, 5 through 7 says... Not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Again, another verse. It's like, it's like he just wanted to drive the point home again. We are justified only by God's grace not of works of righteousness, which we have done. Um, one thing that happened in Sunday school this morning, actually, um, 
teacher was talking about a verse in Isaiah, and I know you guys know it. I wish I had it written down in front of me. Where is it? It is the verse about filthy rags. Um, sorry, you guys probably know it, but um, it's in Isaiah. And it talks about, you know, how our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so when he was breaking down um, the the words in that verse, he was teaching that, you know, our even on our best day, our righteousness, um, I think the words kind of broke down into our, our righteousness are like leprous sores and filthy rags. If you've never really done a word study on that, he was teaching that it's like um, a woman's menstrual cycle. So think about bloody menstrual cycle rags. <laughs> it's pretty descriptive when it describes that we have nothing good to offer God, even on our very best day. Our best that we're handing to God that's on our own is like a leprous sore in a filthy menstrual rag. Um, that kind of drive drove drove the point home for me even further today that there is nothing we could do to please God on our own. You could never be good enough. You could never keep the law enough. There's nothing we could do. Only Jesus could do it for us. And only, or I should say, the only thing we have to do is trust that Jesus has paid that debt for us. And he is our salvation. So one thing I want you to remember, we're going to turn to Galatians 1. Let me find it. Galatians 1 verses 6 through 9. I'm almost there, I promise. Okay, Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says, um, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, that then that ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul is defending his gospel in the book of Galatians. And he is then in the early church and now just as the word says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And that's exactly what we're seeing now. Um, how can we possibly stray from the beautiful message of grace? And I think a lot of it, guys, is just our pride. We don't want to really accept that it's free and that there's nothing we can do. We always want to try to do something for the Lord. And here's the thing. When you understand that grace and justification, which is the moment of salvation, is free and it's all about belief in Jesus and nothing you can do, when you believe that, then and only then can you start to live a life that is obedient and pleasing to God. That's It's after salvation that you move into a life of service and obedience. 
And hopefully that flows out of a heart that really understands grace and what you've been given. But people, you know, that's, that's the difference. They're not seeing the two as separate. They're trying to, they're trying to combine sanctification and justification in that same moment of I've got to do something. I've got to obey. I've got to repent. I've got to do this before I'm saved. No, the Bible says, we just read the verses. All you have to do is believe. Then the rest of the Christian life can follow. You can start to become a disciple of Christ. So um, it's urgent, guys, that we do not turn to another gospel. I mean, it's simply unchangeable. Um, you cannot change the gospel, but people try to every day. So it's important that you know what the true gospel is so that you can spot when these other false gospels come in. Um, the true gospel is not man-centered or from man. It is from God and Christ. It's Christ-centered. It humbles man and exalts Christ. It is for all people everywhere. Any preaching or teaching that adds to or takes away from the gospel recorded in God's word is a false gospel. And so let's end it right here. In um, Sorry, in Romans 1, let me turn to that. Paul says, Romans 1. Again, I have to be quicker with my page turning. Okay, Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This has to be our anthem, you guys. This has to be the thing that anchors us so that we can then go out and evangelize and reconcile people to the Lord. The Holy Spirit does the work of convicting but we have to share the gospel. That is our role. We have to go out and we have to share the good news that God saves sinners and that people can be made right with God. So I just want to, you know, again, just challenge you with this last verse in Romans. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. All right, y'all. So I hope this episode helps you as you go out this week and share the gospel with those in your sphere of influence. Share it however you feel led. I mean, make sure you're praying for opportunities to share the gospel. And when those opportunities prevent themselves or present themselves, make sure you're you're being obedient and following through. Take that step and make sure you share the gospel. And leave some tracks. Pray for those that are lost send a card, you know, send a text, um, call someone if the Lord puts them on your mind, go visit someone, um, you know, just do whatever you can, you guys, to get the gospel out this week and make sure that you kind of marinate, meditate on these verses of what is the true gospel this week, just for yourself to be reminded how beautiful how beautiful the gospel is and how beautiful God's grace is. And because of what God has done, live obedient to him. You know, it should spur us to holiness. It should 
encourage us. It should, you know, kind of kick us into gear in a sense that the Lord is returning soon and we are all going to stand before him one day and give an account of what we did with our life after we accepted this beautiful message of grace. So I hope this encourages you today. And until next time, guys, stay strong, saints. Love y'all.